0: It is a time for children now this morning. I would like to invite all the children who are here this morning to come forward for our time together today. Good morning. Got our singers and our siblings, all our kids. Hi, Asher. Hi, Bentley. Good morning. Welcome. Hi. Good morning, Casey. Good morning. I am so glad you are in worship today. (sighs) We've just gotten started. And it is a joyful day to give praise and thanks in worship. The voices of our kids, giving thanks and baptizing one of our newest kids. And we've just gotten started. Who knows where we're going to go next. Well, I have brought something with me today that many of you will recognize because you've been coming to Sunday school a while. What is it, Dawn? It's a parable! In case our big kids out there didn't know, this is what a parable looks like. And these wonderful teachers here before you are going to tell you what parables are like. Because this past many weeks, we've been doing parable stories in Sunday school. We've been talking about them in worship. We've been talking about them on Wednesday. I wouldn't be surprised if you've even been singing about them. So, you ready? Even if you have never seen this before, I want you to take a good look at it. See? I'll turn it over so you can yeah. see it good. And as you consider this that I'm holding my hands, tell me what you see. What does this thing look like, Ryan? It looks like a present. It looks like a present. It does look like a present. Do you like getting presents? I like getting presents. And as Ryan said, parables are like presents. They are gifts, aren't they? And the great thing about gifts... Here, you can put down your hands. We'll do some more in just a little bit. The great thing about gifts is you don't have to get straight A's on your report card. You don't even have to finish all your chores. Um, I mean, I hope you're nice to your brother and sister, but, you know, that's not how you get presents. You get presents because there is someone who loves you and wants to give you a gift. And parables are like that. They are yours so we don't have to go buy them or take them or get them. They belong to us, don't they? All right, I'm ready for more hands. Who wants to tell me about this box? Tell me about this box, um, Isabel. In Sunday school, we learned that they are given to us before we been born. They were. Yeah, you don't have to wait for your birthday or wait for Christmas to get this present. It was given to you before you were even born. Yep, I see Cooper. You can also give them. You can. You don't just have to give them, get them. You can also give them. All right, Bennett. Tell us what else you um, see about this box. We learned in Sunday school that parables are more valuable than gold. And oh, this box is gold, and gold is very valuable, very precious, and parables are precious. Maybe even more precious than gold. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Logan. It is a box. Did you ever think a parable would look like a box? You know, until we started this on Sunday, you know, and a box has a top and a bottom, and it has four sides. It has an inside and has an outside. It has a lid. It does. And what is this lid right now? It is closed. And sometimes parables are like that. Sometimes you come to a parable and you go... What? What? What did Jesus say? Why is And it won't open. And it won't open. I don't know why. Sometimes even when you're ready, that happens. But what are we to do, Ryan? You keep trying and trying until it opens for you. Yeah, you don't get discouraged. you just coming back and back. And because they are a gift and yours, one day the parables will open. I saw a hand there, Dylan. Did you want us to tell us about the box? Yes. Keep getting ready. Yeah, Yeah, just keep getting ready. And one day it will open. Absolutely. Wow. We have another one. Tell me, Adolf. When you said it was a lid, I thought thought maybe it was like a lid is kind of like a door. A lid is kind of like a door. Sometimes it's open, sometimes it's closed. I wonder who closes it. Hmm. Wonder who closes it. These are wonderful parables. And you've been opening them for many weeks in Sunday school. And because they are yours, because they are so precious, I hope for many, many more days and years to come, you will keep coming back to the parable. Keep getting ready and opening them to see what treasures, what gifts are inside just for you. And Pastor Valerie gets to do that for us today in worship. It's a gift. It's yours. And we are ready. So let us give thanks this morning. Before we pray, thank you for being our teachers this morning. Thank you. Let's say, dear God, we give you thanks for your good gifts because you love us. Thank you, Lord. Thank
1: you.
0: We love you, Lord. May we give these gifts to all we meet because we love you. Amen? Amen. You are a blessing. You are a blessing, Miss Lily.
1: Well, thank you, Pastor Caroline. And I receive um, the gift of the parable with humility, with trembling, with joy. Um, The parables are a gift to us indeed from Jesus to tell us about the kingdom of God, to tell us what God is like And who we are to God. And so we are closing off this series today. um, A series about the challenges of the parables. And we're going to hear two little parables in the lost chapter of Luke, Luke 15. We're going to hear verses 1 through 10. Listen for the Word of God. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So I want to begin unpacking the box with two little stories. When I was in about, oh, eighth grade, I guess, I would have been, what, Fourteen? Thirteen? Fourteen? Yeah. Okay. About thirteen or fourteen. Uh, my mom and I went to Town East Mall one weeknight because there were a couple of little items we needed, and I don't remember what those items were. Um, but it was kind of late when we went out there. It was after dinner. Um, and so by the time we had purchased our items and were getting ready to go back to the car, they were getting ready to close up the mall. And um, it was a weeknight, and the mall wasn't crowded to begin with, and so it was, it was feeling pretty empty, and that's pretty spooky, to be in a mall that doesn't have many people in it. And so we made our way to the nearest exit and went out, and then we realized that we didn't remember what door we had gone in. Uh, you see where this is going? And then we can't remember where the car is. And so mom said, well, let's just walk around till we find it. And she went to go step off the curb and she twisted her ankle. And so here we are hobbling around this enormous parking lot that doesn't have many cars in it, trying to find our car and we are lost. Now let me tell you, it's pretty disorienting. And it can cause panic and anxiety to begin to well up, to feel like that you don't know where you are and you don't know how to get home. Right? Second story. We had um, an Irish setter one time. We've had three different Irish setters in our life. We had an Irish setter um, named Wally. And I told Kitty this. He came to us as an older dog. Um, He was a rescue. Um, And we didn't really know what his history had been or anything. He was a wonderful, wonderful pet. The only problematic thing about Wally was that he could get out. And when he got out, he would get very disoriented. Two times he got out, and we were fortunate enough to get him back. The city picked him up, and we would call, uh, at the time it was called PetNet. I don't know if it still exists, but we would call PetNet, and they would uh, give recorded descriptions of all the animals that they had picked up. And so twice we were able to get him back because um, they had picked up a red you know, Irish setter. Third time he got out. We discovered it pretty quickly. Um, and so we went outside, and we were calling and calling and calling, and we saw him about halfway down the block of a very long block, and we, and we called and we called and we called, and we were walking that way, and he looked at us frantic and fearful. And then he turned around, and he ran the opposite direction, and we never saw that dog again. tell you these stories because of the quality of being disoriented in them being lost have you ever been lost and you didn't know how to find your way back Jesus tells these parables And the listeners who are gathered around are sitting there and they're like, Ah, the teacher's going to teach. And the parables he tells disorient them. It's like the listener gets lost in the telling because of the unexpected aspects that are in the parables. Because of the challenges that are embedded in the parables. Jesus is in the home, we guess, of someone having a meal, and those um, expected guests, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious insiders of the day, are gathered around him. Okay, he's a known teacher, so they are the ones that you would expect to be gathered there. But there are other people, not quite so reputable, who are. Beginning to gather around. And the text calls them the sinners and the tax collectors. And people certainly did not hold tax collectors in high esteem. And then sinners, well, we know about sinners, right? And so the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling because of these people who were drawing near. And Jesus is not sending them away. In fact, he begins to teach. And he disorients them by the nature of the two little parables he tells. A sheep and a coin. An animal not known for its intelligence and a coin that cannot speak for itself. These two subjects of his parables, Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom of God. And to talk about what God is like. And so, one can imagine that as the listeners listen to the first parable about the shepherd with a hundred sheep and one of the sheep goes missing and the shepherd leaves the flock to find the one. I can imagine that to the listeners, it doesn't make a lot of economic sense, does it? I mean, losing one out of 99, that would be an acceptable loss, wouldn't it? And then the coin, the woman, the woman, the only parable in the Gospels that features a woman as the main character, the woman standing in for the searcher. She has ten coins, and she turns her house inside out and upside down to find that one coin. There are three interesting things about these parables that I believe offered a challenge to the hearers and can challenge us today. One is the nature of being lost and who, who we deem as being lost, right? I would imagine that for the Pharisees and the scribes, those religious insiders of the day, today, um, the ancient equivalent of today's churchgoers, perhaps, that um, those others that were gathering around who were of ill repute or not held in high esteem, that from the insiders' point of view, they would have been the lost And that's something about lostness, right? If you're an insider and you think you know about stuff, it's pretty hard to admit one's own lostness. hmm? But I don't think that lostness is actually the main point of these parables. Take a look at the searcher. Who, against rational thinking, goes after the one. The one. Who won't let one go missing. How many of y'all have maybe several dollars of change buried down in your couch? Or... Coins that have fallen underneath our car seats and they just sit there maybe until we trade the car in on another one. You know? Who in their right mind pulls out a lamp and a broom and scours the place looking for a dime? But Jesus is getting to the nature of God here. For God... The one who is lost is the focus of God's attention. And both of these, lostness and then the divine searcher who searches for the one, lead us to, I think, the main point of these parables. And that is the celebration that happens when the one is found. It goes from the one to the many being invited in to share in the joy at finding the one. I wonder what those Pharisees and scribes thought. I wonder if they heard the invitation that was implied in those parables. I wonder if they heard Jesus saying, come on, let's pass. Those who were lost, I have found. Let's party. One commentator puts it this way. Whether one will join the celebration is all important because it reveals whether one's relationships are based on merit or on mercy. Those who find God's mercy offensive cannot celebrate with the angels when a sinner repents. Thus, they exclude themselves from God's grace. My friends, it is the nature of the divine searcher to be grace filled. It's not a choice on the part of God to offer grace or not. It is in God's very being to offer grace. But we can choose whether or not we want to accept that, right? We can, in our choosing, exclude our own selves from God's grace. So the question, the challenge in the parables is before us. Do we hear the divine invitation to come join the party over God's recovering of the lost? Or will we remain with the grumblers who are focused on who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong? God is awaiting our RSVP. Amen.